0: It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future.
1: Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
0: It feels to me like essentially any business where the model is keep the hits coming. Yeah. whether it's Viagra or Iron Man is especially beholden to this model.
1: everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Rodney Evans, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Erin Dignan. All right. On today's episode, we are going to talk about talent marketplaces. But before we do that, we will talk about a check-in.
0: Yes. Our favorite thing to do to get started. Today's episode is going to have a little check-in question that is sort of close to home to talent marketplaces which is what is your ideal amount of novelty and rotation when it comes to your roles at work? I suppose we could even expand this to like life in general. Like what is, how much mixing it up do you need to stay engaged? Mm. So I, I will start and then I'll throw it over to you. So you have a moment to reflect. Um, I like to go deep on things. So I don't like the idea of changing my roles or my work or my focus every week or every month. But I also do crave novelty. And I crave like new problems to solve. It's one of the reasons I was attracted to consulting in the first place was just like, oh, you get to moonlight in other people's businesses. And that is really satisfying. So I'm going to say like, in an ideal world, I would have kind of a reset and a remodel like two or three times a year. And it doesn't mean I have to lose everything I'm doing. But it would be like a real check of like, Is there something else that could be more interesting right now or could be more helpful right now? And in my personal life, I think maybe even a little faster, like I'd love an even faster rotation of like catching up with old friends and trying new activities, like maybe even monthly. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think it depends for me really on what the role is that I'm looking at. Because my favorite roles are ones where something has been started, but there's a lot of work to do to really get them humming. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be like what I am attracted to and also my zone of genius. And so sometimes that takes
0: a month (laughs) and sometimes
1: that takes a year. And I'm not usually ready to leave something until it feels stable to me and it feels right. like it's really working. And then as soon as it feels like it's working, I'm really happy to leave You're it. Like, like looking I, for the door. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not usually the, you know, the most exciting part to me of any project isn't scaling what's working. It's mm. making something work. So that just, you know, that just looks different whether I'm like redoing a part of the lake house or working in the growth circle or whatever. It's just, it's sort of like, when is it at a point where I'm like, okay, I, my, my job is done. And then that's, that's the moment.
0: There's like the zero to one and then the one to 10 and then the 10 to infinity.
1: Yeah. I'm the, and I'm the one to 10 the person middle chunk. on everything.
0: It is funny. You said depends on the role. Cause I hadn't thought about that when I answered the question, but the moment you said that I was like, Pharaoh, fair. Pharo- I'll do it for as long as you want. Like what,
1: what, wait, what will you do forever?
0: Be the Pharaoh. Oh, pff. You know what I mean? I was like, there are roles where I'd be like, I'm good.
1: I don't want to be the pharaoh forever.
0: I know, I know. It was a joke, but I, I think that. just feel like
1: that would get boring too, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, the good news is back then you died at like 32. Yeah, so it wouldn't
1: be that long no I'd matter be, what.
0: I'd be like a mummy already yeah. and totes fine.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Great architecture. Um, all right. So well, humid, but. I I want to dig into today's topic. It's the concept of the talent marketplace, which is mm-hmm. something you and I talk a lot about and you've been doing a lot of work around. I want to start by asking you for those listening that are like, what the hell is a talent marketplace? Break down just the basic concept and then we can get into the details of how to have one.
1: Okay. I'll start, but then you help me. Sure. Um, So I would consider a talent marketplace any situation in which roles or projects are made available to some group of people and there is some kind of matching between the work to be done and those who have the skills to do that work. And that can happen inside of a function in a company. It can happen inside of a company. It can happen in a DAO. It can happen on the internet. It can happen between a company and like the gig economy. But the idea is just that we are matching capacity with work to be done.
0: So what what's like the status quo opposite of this?
1: Job descriptions that <laughs> map to an org chart.
0: Right, right. So you're just in this role in the chart forever. Yeah. And... And you sort of still pick off projects, but you don't really identify with them as like, I'm actually on a different team.
1: Yeah. And like the job probably includes lots of different roles, some Mm -hmm. of which you really have the skills to do and probably some of which you don't really have the skills to do. And in most big job descriptions that I see, which is like usually all of them because people generally want to be like exhaustive when they're writing a job description. Yeah, There's usually a whole bunch of stuff in there that doesn't actually get done at all or gets done by someone else. (laughs) And so I think the whole idea of a talent marketplace is to just like put the org chart to the side and put the the massive detailed job descriptions to the side and and be more like modular or like more micro service oriented in terms yeah. of what, what do we need to do here and how are we going to do it?
0: My favorite thought experiment about a talent marketplace is just to think about 100% dedication mm. and be like, because there are lots of like very subtle, nuanced ways of doing this. But if you want to just do the thought experiment about like, do we have one? Yeah. To me, a talent marketplace purely is like, everybody's moving 100% of their attention from project A to project B to project C over the course of a year, and they don't have rooting somewhere else. It's not like, really? I work in this part of the pyramid, and I'm doing these 10 projects, and I'm juggling. It's more like, I worked on this thing 100%, and then I worked on that thing 100%, and my identity, my role is literally moving around this marketplace whether it be inside or outside of the walls of a company to me that's the extreme example and then of course if you buy into that you can have versions where it's like well actually I have two projects right now or I have five projects right now and but the idea that I'm not rooted somewhere beyond the moment of opportunity and like where I'm best used or where I'm most engaged that's the shift to me versus like you're in this department until your manager talks to HR and lets you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a very different vibe.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, we can talk about it right now, but I, it, the, <laughs> the, the most extreme version that you're describing, I have never seen right. in a company. Right. Not because it's not like the ideal. Like I, I agree with you that dedicated attention and rotation probably gets... You a lot more like a lot more juice for the squeeze <laughs> than the way that it's usually done. But yeah. I actually haven't seen that personally. Have you?
0: Well, I think it's really hard to create the conditions for it in yeah. a in a single closed system. The the metaphor that you use all the time is the Hollywood model. And that is a system where even though people have multiple things on their dance card, and technically have like, you know, sports drinks that they sponsor and shit like that. There is, there is a bit of truth to like the fact that when you go on set for eight weeks, that's the movie you're doing. And like, you're doing, you're making that movie and you're making that movie and that's all you're doing. And then you leave and you take a break or you move on to the next project or whatever. So even that's not a pure example, to your point, there are all these little distractions and projects that pull away from that. But at least at a, at a basic level, it is kind of jumping from one lily pad to the next at a project level. Yeah. So I do I do love that metaphor for that reason. It feels like this big ecosystem that is enabling people to take a proficiency that they have, whether it be production or audio or acting or whatever, and like do it in sequence across different projects. Inside most businesses, I find that, that the benefits of spreading yourself across at least a couple things tend to outweigh the benefits of 100% dedication with the exception of like, Skunkworksy type projects mm-hmm. or like, like we're going to build a rocket to the moon kind of stuff. Those tend to get, you know, dedicated folks, but a lot of other shit where it's just like, we're upgrading the ERP. Like they don't get, they don't get that level of love to your point. yeah, So yeah, yeah I don't see it.
1: I mean, the other example that is sort of like, the, but I do feel like, you know, traditional consulting often is the Hollywood model. Yeah. And like when I, you know, when I was in, when I worked for a big consulting company, it was pretty rare at that time to be on more than one project at a time. Mm-hmm. And if you were like a billable consultant, you did not give a shit about anything right. internal. Like right. it was just like the only reason to go to the office was because like you know, you had to like fill in your time card and you forgot your VPN or something like that. You know, like there, there was like no, there was no office culture. There was like no connection to other teams. Yeah. There wasn't really like, it was just very project based culture, very similar to a movie set.
0: Yeah. And I think we've experienced that in different degrees over the, over the history of the ready as well. Sure. where It's just like, Whoa, everybody's out there. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. out doing what they're doing.
1: It's by design, right? right? But it's like real pros and cons. I think that probably the ideal world, you know, that we're working in and that we're working with clients on is both. Mm-hmm. Is that you have some center of gravity for persistent work that is being continually made more efficient. And you have quite a bit of capacity to put at project-based or mission-based or emergent opportunity.
0: How would you characterize the problem that doing something like a talent marketplace model solves? Like, what do you think mm. is wrong that it's kind of driving at?
1: Yeah, a lot of things probably. <laughs> but um, the like my top hits are <laughs> most companies that we are in and around really struggle to work cross-functionally. Right. And so it's just, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, work ends up sort of getting chopped up and assigned according to the org chart. And then there's like, you know, information messaging in between rather than pulling the roles needed and having some kind of mission-based team to just get the thing done. You know, most of the things that I think a healthy talent marketplace addresses are things that are just like pretty borked in the OS. But like cross-functional work is one of them. Um, One of the things we've been talking a lot about in terms of the future of HR is the fact that HR as a function is designed based on competing agendas. So you have the same roles and resources that are responsible for being responsive and mitigating risk and ensuring compliance as they are for creating the conditions for adaptive work. And it's like, you just can't do that in a day. Like You just can't be a business partner who's like, wholly responsible for innovating the employee experience and making sure that like that lawsuit really gets like ticked and tied, you know? It's just like impossible. So I think competing agendas. And then I I think, you know, making bets. Like Mm -hmm. any work, this happens a lot. I'd be curious, you know, where you've seen this too. I feel like when there's a new idea, whether it's for a product or for a role or whatever, it's for, it doesn't matter. The first question is like, well, who gets it? Or like, where do you put it? Like, okay, does that, you know, does that, should that like revenue strategy be held by sales or should it be held by marketing or should it be held by ops or should it be held by product? And it's like, the reality is that it probably will require cross-functional effort to do anything that's adjacent to the existing business. But usually the first move is to try to find a home on the org chart for it. And then usually it's really hard to do from there once you've given it a functional home. So I think the like mission thing gives you a place for new stuff.
0: I don't know. I had like a little scratch and sniff moment while you were talking about that because there are projects that happen and then are done.
1: Yeah. And then there
0: are projects that when they work, they go on.
1: Yeah. And I think
0: where people get tripped up with talent marketplaces generally is like the stuff that goes on, becomes a function or it becomes kind of a center of gravity. And then you never get back to moving people around. And I wonder, I was thinking about the Hollywood model again, and like what examples of both things I see. And there are studios like a Universal or something where the projects always end effectively. It's like we make the movie, then the movie's over, then we make another one. Maybe we make a sequel, but like on balance, Mm -hmm. the year's dance card is different every year. Uh And so other than the major functions of the enterprise, everybody else is moving around all the time. Uh But then I was thinking about something like Marvel Studios, Mm. where there's a much bigger overarching agenda. And like all these pieces actually have to add up to something. And the franchise itself does go on. And I think that's much more interesting to me and maybe more relatable to business where it's like, this is an ongoing market of, of things people want to buy and these brands aren't going away. Yeah. But by the same token, we want to keep moving the talent around to keep them fresh and to keep them moving. And like, I, I don't know, there's something really hard about that that I think they've been able to do, which is why Disney paid a fortune for them. But like, I, I don't see a lot of other people pull that off where they Mm-mm. kind of live in both modes.
1: Yeah. Why is that?
0: Why is it do they just not- the work
1: chart thing or is it other things? Let's talk about other things.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because I think it's because there's a tension between one thing getting really big and the overarching thing being really big. Mm. In the way that, like in a in a movie universe like that, no one movie is eighty percent of the revenue. Yeah. Right? Like, even though Iron Man started it and is a big deal, it's not. that's not the whole franchise. It's not even 10% of the franchise. Yeah. But when you look at most businesses, you're like, oh, well, there's a lot of cute stuff going on here. But, like, really, it's this, you know, that is, like, driving the bulk of, like, Google search and AdWords. Like, that's Google. And if you take that away, what else? So I think there's something about that, about the fact that, like, these gorillas come in and bust up the China shop, and then everybody has to be beholden to them And they don't want to rotate and they don't want to be disrupted because that's security. That's the cash cow.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think everything you just said shows up in almost every example that I can think of.
0: (laughs) You know, where it's like,
1: well, it's like if you think about how the OS of any company Evolves and kind yeah. of gets like calcified. Yeah. Usually, it's when something works and then gets scaled is when the OS gets clarified and then calcified. So it's yep. like yep. you yep. know, AdWords were the thing, like ad- advertising on Google was the thing. And so my assumption is like probably a lot about how they budget and how they hire and how they resource and where their fucking offices are and whatever yep. is yep. based on the thing that they the where they found product market fit. Yeah. And, and then it's like if you have the OS for that thing, then it can be quite difficult to do other things right. that are unproven that don't work with that OS well. And, you know, you definitely see that in big consulting shops where it's like, oh, we have this one kind of client that we service that's worked really well for us. And when someone is like, well, I want to like experiment with this tiny nonprofit in like <laughs> the developing world, it's like, well, we have no, we have no way of doing that. Mm-mm. I think that happens. And that's happened in projects of mine, too. It's just like, yeah. we don't actually have mechanisms for doing a mission, even if we're all real fired up about it.
0: It's funny that you brought up Google again, because I think there was a level of self-awareness there Mm. that gave rise to Alphabet. Because the whole point was basically like, let's have all these other letters, right? So that we can actually continue to innovate. But what's funny is 10 years later, while that's technically true, practically, it still feels like there's just a couple big winners there in that system. Mm. And and the power law in technology makes this really hard. Whereas I feel like sometimes the... The entertainment side is a little different. And the other, the other industry that comes to mind is actually the pharmaceutical industry mm. because it's another kind of hit factory mm. where it's like th- no, no drug will last forever and no drug will be more than 10% of the, of the P&L for very long because mm-hmm. they just keep churning out these projects, right? And I wonder if under the hood, there's a marketplace model there that's either already present or could be like souped up to be even better. Because it really facilitates that.
1: Having worked in a cup co- with couple <laughs> <big> pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> yes, there should please be disclose. And there isn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a real pain point though. Yeah, I think yeah. you're exactly right because there is because it's the same core issue of like you know, R D is just innovation and there's that is the bread and butter. And then yep. the entire OS of like big pharma, and you and I have seen inside a bunch of them, yep. it does really doesn't support that. There are exceptions for sure. sure. But but those exceptions are few and far between and they outperform their competitors.
0: Yeah. And it, it feels to me like essentially any business where the model is keep the hits coming. Yeah. Whether it's Viagra or Iron Man is especially beholden to this model yeah and if you're like zoom and you're like oh there's just one (laughs) there's just just the one (laughs) and we just want it to be as big as possible and we're never going to do anything else outside of it like that's a very very different animal i still think there's a role for a talent marketplace in a business like that that can be very powerful but but it's not maybe as required as it would be to really dominate in one of these keep the hits coming industries
1: yeah. Well, and I think rarely inside big organizations is there a lot of investigation into whether we should only focus on hits.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So it's like if we're just designed to make the next Viagra, like we could be leaving, you know, 10 yes, smaller markets yes. on the table. Totally. Or 15 products that could add up to being the next blockbuster. But mostly that's not how yeah orgs are designed like that's an interesting vein just in and of itself cuz when i've done this work in clients one of the first thing you know a lot of clients in traditional companies really like the idea of a talent marketplace talk about the hollywood model and they're like yes i understand like fungible <laughs> talent and dynamic team and cross functional missions let's fucking go and that's really cool But usually my first question when I get a group together who's going to like steward the marketplace is like, what are we designing for? yep what what is this marketplace supposed to do right what because does it make <laughs> what does it make because if it only makes hits that's a very specific kind of marketplace with yeah. a different funding model yeah. then this marketplace is intended for like professional development which sure, i've sure, seen sure or it's intended for global mobility which yep. i've seen or it's intended for rapid experimentation which i've yep. seen but like those marketplaces look different depending on what you're trying to do with them
0: what i was thinking about as you were describing that that imperative of like what is it designed for is also what happens on the other side of success. So mm. when you think about a media property or a digital property like Zoom or anything like that, Google, these things scale with almost no effort on the other side of success. So like if mm. a trillion people want to go see Iron Man, that does not require any operational reaction from. The, from the studio not really right. like there's you made some Iron distribution Man, but like now. yeah
1: interesting yeah but
0: if it's a drug there actually are consequences of like we have to now produce a million units of this drug and that's a whole different department a whole different team a whole different problem and then uh, the same is true for products and you know physical products like we want somebody wants the new electric car and now we have to make the damn things so I think there's something also about talent marketplaces where if you only have the marketplace model, on the innovation side, but the rest of the organization isn't set up to catch what they produce, you can end up in these like really weird situations like things are sold out or the supply is fucked up or I mean, we've seen it happen a lot in the last couple of years.
1: You know, one of the things in the future of HR that I keep talking about, we'll eventually do like a whole yeah, podcast yeah. about it. But, you know, one of the things that I think is really critical to, to being able to do mission based teaming in order to reinvent people practices or add new ones or whatever, is the fact that there are these persistent platform teams to maintain yeah, yeah. after the mission, because yep. you're exactly right. And that's what goes wrong with cross functional teams all the time, too. Like, totally. it's the same. Totally. It's the same thing inside the organization where it's like, oh, cool. We made this growth strategy. And it's like, great. <laughs> who are you going to give that to? Yeah. 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 Who's going to do, who's going to like live with that now?
0: Yeah. It's a classic dog caught the car problem yeah. where it's like, oh, we made Wagovi and now everybody wants it and we're sold out and we have no way to meet demand for years.
1: Wait, what's um, Wagovi?
0: Oh, it's the new like weight loss drug that all the, TV, reality, house lounge. don't know about Yeah. Anyway, it's been okay. sold out for months and months. Really? And months. Yeah. How
1: does, how does this completely escape my attention?
0: Nobody can get any and everybody wants it. I'm going to so, Google
1: it immediately.
0: But it's a really good example of like somebody made a hit that the huh. rest of the system wasn't ready for.
1: And now and it's then, like. And uh, now
0: there's just money on the table, like straight yeah. up just money on the table. And also the thing people don't think about with these ecosystems is when you do have the the momentary genius to make a hit which is hard enough yeah. and then you miss your moment because operationally you're not ready to capitalize the competitive market catches up yeah so like literally there have been other r&d organizations who are like catching up breath by breath mm. while we wait for them to be able to produce the thing they already invented mm and and that happens a lot with film and TV i think it happens with music i think it happens with with pharma i think it probably happens with with tech as well like imagine if chat gpt had like choked on their success and just shut down the site for 6 months yeah like how many other like how fast would google have been like all right well here's a decent replica
1: yeah you know? well it's interesting that you bring that up as an example cuz i don't know if you've been trying to use chat gpt in the last couple of weeks but it it's is it's choking choking and yeah. I, it's so fucking annoying because i'm like you just got me like hooked on the sauce man and now it's and i keep being like is no one else doing this why can't i find the competitor but like you know i'll just wait three more days and there'll be one
0: yeah yeah no they're definitely coming and i think i think you're right it is kind of an example of that and they have you know for for you and for anyone listening if you go and sign up on their little type form for their professional beta where you pay them they'll actually send you an invite in a couple of weeks oh, and good. you can get on. I'm going to do that. It's way better than waiting with everybody else in line because oh, it's like I never going to open bothered. again.
1: Yeah. But I, I think that's a Opening any great website example. and having it be like, we're too busy right now. I'm like, get the fuck yeah, out of here. I can't. I miss. know.
0: Like, And imagine how annoying that is for any business to have the innovation machine work, which is a miracle upon a miracle. And then you're like, psych, we can't sell or take demand or deal with the upside. <gasps>
1: Yeah, this leads me to a related question. I'm not a good economist, so I'm <laughs> gonna ask you. I I'm feel, not an
0: economist at all.
1: But, you know, you play one on this podcast. I feel like the scarcity thing like really works to a point and then it tips yeah, over. Right. When is that tipping point?
0: Well, I feel like this is not uh, this is not informed by any economic. Don't make theory.
1: investment decisions based on what Aaron's about <laughs> <Exactly>. to say. <laughs> exactly.
0: What I find is that. The scarcity is a social phenomenon of, I want something that other people can't have. Uh And, and so you want some scarcity, total scarcity, or the feeling of total scarcity is just absence. Mm. And so there's no social cred. You're not like right now, you're not on the chat GPT site waiting for it to load for you being like, I'm ahead of everyone else. Yeah. I'm in a special club. You're like, no, we're all fucked. We're all in line at the soup kitchen. Nothing is getting served. So I feel like it breaks when it stops becoming a social and status related thing mm. and becomes a supply chain thing yeah. where it's just like, it just isn't available. And so that's not real scarcity. The kind of scarcity we want as human monkeys is like, I know something you don't know, or I have something you can't get.
1: Yeah. You're inside of a club and I'm still outside waiting yeah. online.
0: Yeah. And like, we're not like nobody yeah. has the... Nobody has any juice in these situations.
1: Yeah, okay, that's good, I like that.
0: Except for the ultra, ultra rich, they always have juice, which is why everyone hates them.
1: So on that note, we always say on the show, we could do a whole nother episode about this, and today we're actually gonna do that rather than just continuing to talk to you for an hour. So we're not gonna rush through, we're just gonna take our time, and this episode is gonna be a super dank two-parter. While you're waiting for the second part to drop, please do leave us a review, we appreciate them ever so much or forward our show to someone who needs it.
0: A quick tip of hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. Get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.